Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Um, going to be a bit of a, of a Q&A, maybe not mailbag type, um, but just kind of discussing different questions you guys have, different uh, discussion points that have arisen over on the message board, things that we've written about in the past week. So a bit of a late July, um, you know, kind of around the horn deal. So we can jump right into the questions in this one. We should probably start with this one because it's it's the most relevant um, in terms of news specifically. Brian Hall asks, how has football workouts been going? I'm curious to know after the university suspended other teams' workouts yesterday. So if you missed the news, the M- Michigan Athletic Department announced that they were suspending workouts for, for a week um, in ice hockey, volleyball, field hockey, and swimming and diving. Now, they didn't specify why. Well, they did specify a little bit why, but they didn't get too specific. But they said it was related to positive COVID-19 tests in addition to contract, contact tracing. And so, um, and football, you know, I, I know Michigan spokesperson said things are going on as scheduled. Steve, I don't know if you've heard additional insights on on how football workouts have been going, but my understanding is that they have been pretty close to that bubble type atmosphere that I know is working for other sports. I don't think I've, I've heard players are very um, well, you know, they're treating it like their careers are involved here. You know, they're, they're, they're treating it like, Hey, if I'm going to parties or getting COVID or whatever, you know, we might not have a season. Uh, we might not be able to practice and continue to have a successful season and it might impact my draft stock or might impact what I can accomplish at Michigan. So in terms of football, I've, I obviously things can change very quickly, but the impression I've been given, you know, knowing that players are even um, kind of jokingly talking smack to other schools who aren't taking it as seriously, uh, things like that. And so my impression is football workouts have been going well, as far as the four, um, four sports that have suspended activities for a week, I guess we'll we'll have to see. I know they do their number, their official number updates on Friday. Um, my guess is that they're not going to be as good as what Michigan had been doing previously. But at the same time, um, I believe two of them were winter sports. And so um, I guess that's one sign that they are getting closer to the final stages of having all these teams back that um, that they have the winter sports back and that they're doing contact tracing. And so that's something, I guess, I don't, I don't know if that means that's that, that isn't meant to be presented as a positive, but that is a, a sign that they are further along than, than many schools. And, and that I think even Michigan was necessarily expecting. So a week of suspended activity, um, you know, I guess we'll see what the numbers are. I think you're going to see a lot of that around the country. I think that's relatively par for the course is, you know, if you have, and then, and then it, it could be more than a week, but my guess is that they'll, they'll, you know, kind of reset quarantine everybody after a week and then, and then figure out, um, you know, where they go from there. So, I mean, it's, it's significant. It's not, um, it's not nothing, but I did see a couple of people kind of respond and said, all right, time to shut it down. And it's like, well, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously something to monitor really closely, but I guess we'll have to see in a week if, if this thing really spreads 
throughout all of Michigan athletics, then that's one thing. But if it's just for sports, my my inclination is to think that they feel like this can be relatively contained, you know, to just the four sports. And that even within those four sports, if it's only shut down for a week, that it's really more of a precautionary measure. So Steve, anything to add? And then specifically, if you, if you have any insights on football workouts, I know they started the mandatory or not mandatory, but they, they started the, the walkthroughs with a football, which I believe teams are allowed to call mandatory for up to 20 hours a week and the coaches get get a little bit more involved uh, any insight on how that has gone so far yeah no real insight on the virus related stuff because i'm kind of sick of talking about it um but i do know things are going as scheduled like for the football team i actually will be posting a piece sometime in the next few days about some younger guys that have been impressing as far as uh, A, either showing up in prime shape or standing out kind of early on in the walkthroughs, impressing the coaches. I'll, I'd, just, I'd give one name as sort of a, a preview of that, I guess. is, is It's a guy we may, maybe mentioned once or twice, uh, but one of the freshman linebackers, uh, Nakai Hill-Green, is a name that continue to hear really, really good things about early on for Michigan. Kind of one of those low four-star, high three-star guys that mm-hmm. there were a lot of question marks about. Uh, the guy that, you know, played at St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Not questions is like, you know, but just there's – it's those guys that are sit around the 88, 89, 90 where you're, you you wonder they can go one way or the other as far as how their careers develop. Uh, Hill Green was a guy I thought was pretty solid. I thought he was slightly underrated. Not a guy I would have fought for, like, top 247 status necessarily – uh, but a guy I thought maybe should have been ranked a little bit higher than he was. Uh, he's come out of the gates really, really strong. So uh, that's one name hearing some good things about. And like I said, there'll be still working on gathering a little bit more, but probably like four or five more names at least of guys that we'll hear or uh, that I'll be posting about. We're hearing good things uh, regarding. But as far as the walkthroughs go, I know the, the staff players are incredibly busy right now, particularly the staff. So, I mean, from at least from – my view, uh, it looks like things are going as planned right now for the football program and that they're busting it, trying to prepare for a season. So one thing I will add, and, and that's I, I'm excited to see that series. I know a lot of our a lot of our subscribers have kind of been poking around saying, have we heard anything? Have we heard anything? So um, be sure to stay tuned for those updates. But one it's- thing I will add regarding football versus the other sports, to maybe to Brian's question to, to kind of round this off, Football has its own gym and its own facilities. And it's a 32,000 square foot gym and the facilities. I mean, literally the waiting room where they do kind of like the temperature checks and and take the surveys is the giant Michigan football museum. And so I don't, I don't mean to dismiss anything, but I, I do think four sports at Michigan athletics having to shut down does not necessarily mean anything has changed with football schedule just because they don't have to even share facilities. Now, you know, what happens outside of practice, that's a different discussion, but it does seem, I don't know about you, Steve, the impression I've gotten has been that Michigan players and coaches for football really like they, they want to almost their mindset is almost, they want to lead the country in handling this. And so, um, you know, whether they, they, I think they looked at it as a challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I, and and your first point about 
you know, there being some major ramifications for some of these guys if they don't play this year and they're almost creating sort of a sense of urgency to try to do it the right way, you know, I think is something that has kind of permeated throughout the, the team. And again, going back to a point we've made quite a few times at this point, you know, I think logistically, I think Michigan had a really good plan uh, so far because this is a this is a process, not an event. Uh, so far, they've executed really, really well. So, and like I said, everything I hear, you know, with the the, the subs wanting to hear, you know, it's, it's hard to ask. Like after one day of walkthroughs, for like to <laughs> right. get an idea of like guys who are impressed. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is like, oh, walkthrough started yesterday. What are you hearing? I mean, it's like dude, you got to give it some time to to actually get like meaningful information out of stuff like that. So. Yeah, I was going to say, you could tell them what you've heard, but it, it wouldn't be, I mean, Nothing everyone of significance, everyone has moments of, of really good, you know, whether it's in practice or in the real world, like you might have a really good day of work. You might have a really crummy day of work. Um, yep. Anyway. Yeah. Regarding. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've covered it. Um, it's something to monitor. You know, I think, think your line there is really good. It's a process, not an event is that we're going to keep, you know, we'll keep our eyes on it. We'll keep reporting anything, anything we hear. Um, in terms of of the virus part of things, obviously, hopefully, I you know the line that my epidemiologist friends have been using is um, proper precautions always look like an overreaction in the end. So we'll see. Um, you know, if, if if things are handled correctly, people might be like, well, why'd they even need to shut it down for a week? So hopefully, it's more that. But obviously, we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled uh, for any changes. Other questions? Um, is there is there one that you want to do next, Steve? We did post this on Twitter. Listeners are always welcome to um, to join in. Anything jump out at you? Otherwise, we can just go down the list. Yeah, just go down the list. I'll okay. Really, yeah. So next one. This one comes from Brian Cress. He says you've explained on different shows that the staff has been more aggressive in the 2021 and 2022 recruiting trail. Is that influence from more recent coaching hires or Harbaugh purposely changing tactics? So often when I float these ideas your way, you, you kind of downplay it because it's not like they were recruiting unaggressively in previous classes. But, um, you know, this 2021 class, I think I would argue, maybe I'm off base here, I would argue that it is exceeding expectations in many areas. The, the, you know, I think the Xavier Worthy flip or not flip but the the win there was yeah. i think maybe a good example so your thoughts on this question uh 21 has been sort of what it was but my biggest point that i've been making uh on the recruiting insider pod is more so with the sophomore class i think one thing under harbaugh you know you're at events or you know they're making offers to the sophomores uh you know guys they're offering really early you know you occasionally check in to see you hear you talking to Michigan because for sophomores, they have to contact the staff on their own up until September 1st. So September 1st, the 22s will be able to contact uh, or the staff will be able to contact them on their own. Uh, one thing Michigan's really, and I, I got to think it's a pandemic related move was to just in my, from my view have done just a much, much, much better job of, you know, basically 
to, you know, say you take a kid like Damani Jackson, five-star out of modern day, 2022 kid, grew up Michigan fan. You know, I feel like this time last year, if he had been a 21, we wouldn't be hearing much about him talking to Michigan that often. What Michigan has to do or what schools have to do is contact like a high school coach or uh, I don't know if they can go through the parent. I'd have to check on that, but I know like they have to go through the high school coach or the high school program, basically say, Hey, have Domani in this, in this instance, have him call. You know, we would like to really talk to him, try to set up a zoom call or whatever. Michigan's done such a better job of like consistently maintaining contact with some of the top guys. I just feel like it's been way, way more aggressive than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, when September 1st would come along every cycle, yeah, then Michigan gets really aggressive. They go after the guys just like as hard as any school in the country, I would imagine maybe, uh, you know, they, they do like to tailor their pitch to kids, uh, to different pitches to different kids as far as, you know, being really aggressive, not being so aggressive, whatever. But they've set, I feel like they've set a much, much, much better foundation. Uh, we're consistently hearing now of sophomores who say they're talking to Michigan as much as any program, which I'm telling you right now is not something you know, we used to hear we'd go to the you'd have the future fifty, uh, Under Armour type deals, and there were a couple couple years where we'd have no, almost nothing to write about uh, because a lot of kids had been offered by Michigan but weren't hearing from them or weren't in any contact with them, and then they'd get you know you know then you'd hear X Y and Z are already talking to these kids, and by the time September first comes around, those coaching staffs have already developed like legitimate relationships with these kids. And Michigan, while maintaining their interest, are almost working from behind in a lot of cases. So it is, it's definitely, I don't think it has anything to do with the hires necessarily. I think it's been more of a change in direction tactically, as Brian, as he has purposely changing tactics. Yeah, I kind of think it might have been a pandemic related thing where you got to think about when they kind of eliminated the contact period you know, that allowed, that gave the coaches like, you know, we're all sitting at home, gave them more time, right? I mean, they had as much time as they've ever had really to recruit because there was nothing else anybody could do. You're, you know, there's a period of time where you can't even leave your house. So I think they kind of use that to their advantage. And, and again, that's something, you know, that Michigan, like I said, it's one of the, it was one of the areas in the past I always felt like they were just kind of lacking and we'd never hear much about them with big time sophomore prospects from across the country. Even, you know, some of the ones in the state, maybe been to campus a bunch of times, that type of deal. But uh, it, they've been much more aggressive in that regard. And i really, I do think it's a situation where it can, it can maybe win them one or two of those types of races that they might not have won in the past, whether they win 12 games, nine games, whatever. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like it gives them a much, much better shot on closing on some guys they might not have been able to close in in the past. Okay. All right. I uh, got a couple other recruiting questions, apparently. I guess that makes sense that that's on the mind. There, there's Most of this month, news-wise, has been either the pandemic or recruiting. Right. And if you ask Michigan fans what they'd rather talk about right now, it's probably recruiting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one comes from Joe McKenney. Um, perhaps it's social media that gives fans more of a look into recruiting, but I can't help but feel as though Gile, what Giles, Giles Jackson, does on recruiting is unprecedented. also seems like Xavier Worthy is taking that role to heart as well. Is this normal or something totally new to the process? So um, before you answer it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is significant. Giles Jackson, it's, um, you know, he's 
he's tagging everybody. It seems like he almost, um, it's like, I mean, he's taking it to heart. Maybe it's similar to what you're talking about where, I mean, if he's sitting at home, why not do what he can try to do to help Michigan recruiting? Um, which is interesting because Giles Jackson, I kind of read back on his recruitment and, and how, you know, Cade McNamara was always in his, in his ear when it was, you know, most of his offers were Pac-12 schools. And Oregon, I think, had a couple crystal balls. It was Cade McNamara that kind of kept kept pushing Michigan, even if Michigan was was very far away. So um, your thoughts on Jackson's recruitment, the significance of player recruitment, and, and other discussions uh, relating to Joe's question? So I think... I, you know, I don't know. I don't think what he's doing is it might be, it's a little unorthodox for Michigan. Again, this is sort of one of the, and this isn't, I don't know if this is like a coaches type deal, uh, but you've seen players from other programs that are very passionate about their program and will kind of interject, I guess, with some prospective recruits. Now, I think there's like a, a line you have to toe with that type of stuff. So it's, that's one of the areas with Jackson I've been curious about is like how, like, you know, I, I know he know he knew is Xavier worthy. I'm not sure. Like you see him tweeting with Andrew Anthony, uh, other, like other prospects, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, what the, if that's like a slap on the wrist type deal for Michigan down the line or what, I don't think it is, but I always feel like uh, if there wasn't a pre-existing relationship, I didn't, I was unaware that, you know, current players could make public contact. Cause usually the recruits, it's usually it's recruits recruiting other. Yes. Recruits. Yes. So yeah. yes, for a, for a player to do it, it's, you know, like, did Xavier Worthy commit to Michigan because of Giles Jackson? No, but it it's, I, I always look at it as it doesn't – it's one of those things that it can't hurt. You know, it's it, it's not going to hurt, but it might help. I mean, it's not – you know, I don't know how much it helps, but it's it's not going to hurt at all. So, um, it's – I you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's, like, abnormal. You know, it's just maybe something Michigan fans aren't used to. You know, I've said, I've said a few times – I think Michigan fans should be rooting for Giles Jackson to explode this year more than any player because of that. You know, it's clear he wears his passion for Michigan, you know, more publicly than almost any player. Right. I mean, and again, social media, whatever, it's not saying the other players don't love the program, don't love the team, the, you know, the whole deal, just like, but he's very openly passionate about it. And like, you know, is also really appears to be passionate about recruiting. So, um, Pretty neat. I think it's a. I think it's a cool deal. But yeah, like I said, I think you know Giles Jackson's one of those guys that if he blows up and becomes like a star, he'll be one of those guys that'll just like tweet generic, um, like motivational stuff, and it'll get like eight thousand retweets and stuff. You know, like I see guys like I know one guy like Okuda, like you know, and you know he's earned it. He's earned that. He's earned that right to do that. It's just funny. I'll see recruits or players retweeting his stuff and it'll just be some like one of those like posters you'd see on your wall, uh, you know, in like a cubicle uh, type type quotes that get like 10,000 retweets and 25,000 likes, you know? So it's like, I think Giles Jackson has a chance to kind of become one of those types of guys if he really takes the next step. So, which would help in recruiting a visible, passionate player for your program is a, one of the best case scenarios you can have on the recruiting trail. Well, and I think, you know, you mentioned, you don't, it, how much it helps can vary. It doesn't hurt. I would argue with Jackson specifically, it could help because I think we've talked about this before. Michigan, if they really want to take their recruiting to the next level, it's it's kind of doing what Oregon did and taking control 
of a pretty wide open California. And I think Northern California, especially. Um, and that's where, you know, Jackson and Worthy is, is so relevant because they're two guys who have a ton of speed. And that's something Michigan is also looking for. And so if Michigan's on the trail, like, hey, we really want a fast receiver and they can point to Giles Jackson's production next year, hypothetically, you know, and, and say, this is what, this is what speed can do at Michigan. I think that would be a huge selling point. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. He does seem to have that, um, you know, cause I, again, I, I don't think he's the only player who's very passionate about Michigan and I'm sure he's not the only player that's in some sort of communication with recruits, but I think there's something to be said for um, being that uh, what's, what's the best word uninhibited, you know, where he is just all in on social media and very public about it. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe not unprecedented, but I, I think it can help a lot just because of the type of, of player he is and the type of recruit he is. I mean, we've talked about, you know, with uh, Josh Gaddis. I mean, it, that's like the perfect player to like walk into the, to a program for a first year offensive coordinator where it's like, Oh yeah, you can, you can find a use. I think I saw it yesterday. He ran a three, eight, five shuttle time. If Michigan gets like a few of those guys, they, their offense can look a whole lot different. So next question, uh, we, we might've touched on a little bit, so don't, you know, feel free to add anything else you see or, or just revert to what we just said, but arrogant Michigan alumnus says recruiting <laughs> is the big difference between Michigan and Ohio state right now. Yep, that's correct. Is there any reason slash precedent to believe that Harbaugh can close the gap now in year six onwards? So, you know, in terms of in terms of what what recruiting is, you've always said the two main things recruits are looking for is going to the NFL, which I think Michigan is is right in that mix. Maybe not at Ohio State's level, but not far behind, and contending for championships. So, assuming no on the on field assuming the results don't change until the recruits change is there anything um or any reason in, in your mind that harbaugh can can close that gap and i guess you can probably eliminate ohio state falling off since they don't seem to be in any in any track to do that um anything well, that they can change for recruiting um well yeah i mean they do they gotta i think they gotta get to indy at some point I mean, here's sure. the thing, though, with Ohio State. I mean, it's almost unsustainable what they're doing, though. What they're doing right now is like a, a stretch for, that, for 2021. Just well, no, yeah. not like that. Yeah, but like just in general, though, it's like the the level that they've been recruiting at is un like beyond unprecedented in the Big Ten. Right? Not saying in 21 or in 22 even, or even hell 23. Like, I don't know, you know, it's not as if it's going to like revert or fall off a cliff or anything. Uh, but it is one of those things where you got to think at some point, you know, whether it's through coaching change or something that, you know, that this level is, is not going to maintain. And I don't want to say like, Oh, that's the only hope Michigan has Michigan's got to, they got to win that game. I mean, it's just, you know, we've, kind of gone over this a thousand times <laughs> uh, no I mean I'm not trying to dismiss the question because it's oh a, I it's, agree yeah it's yeah. a fair it's a fair it's a fair question but I I mean I'd argue Michigan you know I think they've significantly closed the gap because the gap was beyond massive when Harbaugh came in 
But can, how do they close it even further? I mean, I, I think you got to put yourself in a position where that game at the end of November is for the Big Ten East every year, not just once every three or four years, I, I guess. I, I guess that'd be the first step, you know, and then you pull one or two of them out, you know, because, again, I, you know, that's kind of the same thing I've been saying for a long time. I think Michigan's one of those programs that is on the press. Like, they're right. They're just – they're right there. I know they've crapped the bed against Ohio State the last couple of years, but really, I mean, they're – We've we've said before they're a questionable spot and a horrible Tyrell Pigrome throw away from winning the Big Ten East twice. So it's not as if they're miles and miles away either. Um, you know, so I, I as far as like actual things they can control right now, I'd say what the answer I gave earlier about setting a better foundation with the sophomore class, I think that's actually a potentially significant one. Like I said, if you can win one, two, three more of those races that you might not have won in the past because you weren't developing early relationships across the board. You know, I mean, Bryce just posted a day about a kid out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, plays at the same high school as Dax Hill, Gentry Williams, said he's hearing from Michigan all the time or that he's getting, that he's in contact with them all the time. So, like, then that's just a – I mean, he's a guy we had listed as top target, but not like a name that we've talked about a lot. I mean, there's – I've been 15, 20, 22, kid, 22 kids that we've talked quite a bit about. He's not one of them, and he, we're already hearing that Michigan's among the schools he's in most contact with already. I mean, this is that's uncharted territory from what I've, um, you know, what I've seen. So it's, uh, you know, I guess that that's one tangible thing they can do. They have facilities now that are impressive. The kids love have loved the facilities. They are putting guys in the pros. Um, you know, it really just I think it yeah, I think they've they're doing a better job in being more efficient on the trail. And but then it mostly again, it just comes down to, you know, like I said, very similar situation to Texas, although I'd argue Michigan has, you know, been closer than Tech. I know Texas, I think, did beat Oklahoma once under Tom Herman, but Michigan's been closer year in and year out to actually making a national run uh, than Texas has, but it's really not that dissimilar in that you have a, an arch rival in your conference who is performing and recruiting at an unprecedented level. And it's, it's something that I think takes longer. It's going to take longer to, you know, achieve the goals that maybe you thought when your most recent head coach was hired, I guess, best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Ohio state, yeah, there probably is some unsustainability because if they recruit at that level every year, just from what we've seen from college football, there's going to be some transfers, you know, not every, I mean, if they're getting, you know, 15 top 100 recruits every year by mathematics, um, you know, it'd be tough to tough to tell a sophomore or junior, Hey, you're going to, going to ride pine for another year, especially if immediate transfer eligibility opens up um you know that might that might open up some so there probably is some unsustainability although you know i'm sure people have been saying that about ohio state for 20 years and they just keep doing it i think they're averaging like 11.4 wins a year since 2000 um they're averaging almost 10 draft picks a year since 2000 i mean no no school is doing that but there's something to be said there and then one one other thing i think probably more, more true in a in basketball but um, doing right by the, by the recruits, you know, if, if, if you have a lot of happy campers on your team, 
I think that's one thing that, that could help Michigan close the gap that isn't just winning more games. And, you know, I think if you have, you know, say, well, think about like uh, the, the recruit that's went to Daxton Hill, Daxton Hills high school, or think about the St. Francis players, you know, if, if they're, if they're really happy and they, they really have a great experience at Michigan, that's going to make it, that makes a difference. You know, it's not everything recruits don't just go where their former teammates are the happiest, but it can help, especially, you know, to, to a, if they're talking to sophomores and starting the process a little bit earlier, that can help be like, Hey, this is a place that, that, you know, we want to go. And so that, that might be something to keep in mind, especially I feel like, um, I feel like this off season, different coaches have had different approaches to the current events. And so that's, that's something that I would, I would see as maybe like a, a, a you know, a little bit lower on the checklist, but something that they could do that isn't just because yeah, the, the best way to be, have the best recruiting class is to probably win the most games. And so, I mean, so you see that look at the top of the rankings every year. I mean, you're not seeing, right. you know, teams that are winning eight, nine games at, in the top four or five. Right. So it is, I mean, yeah. there's it's the, uh, the winning recruiting correlation is as clear as day, you know? So yeah, always going to be the biggest thing. Yeah. No, there are other things. Yeah. There are things they can do. And I think, right. I do think given, you know, a couple nine win years in there, whatever that Michigan by putting how many, like the, putting the guys in the pros is always, you know, if you're consistently put getting guys drafted and getting them drafted in, in decent spots, you're going to get recruits because that's always going to sell. So, I mean, that's why I say like Michigan's one of those where, I mean, they're getting, they're not quite, yeah, they're not quite at the clip of like what I call the, call like snowball schools, like Alabama, Ohio State, like programs that have had momentum for like 10, 12 years at this point of like recruiting at a high level, winning a lot of games and developing a lot of pros. But I'd say Michigan's at the top of maybe those programs that don't fall into that category. I mean, where were they, what they get? How many guys? This year, this year, yeah, yeah, that was what was that tied for the top? It was, yeah, they have 28 in the last four years, which I believe is fourth or fifth, yeah. So, I mean, you you know, and that's, um, yeah, I mean, you can't, that's you know, that's stuff that that's stuff that's going to sell, even if you're only winning nine, ten games. If you're not winning the big 10, you're not going to the playoff, like that's stuff that's still going to bring guys in, no doubt. Mm -hmm. So, um, next question. Might be quick, might not be. I don't. I don't. I don't actually know. Uh, Joshua Kid asks, QB usually drops early on in a class. Do you think that still happens in the twenty twenty two class? And if so, who's at the top of the list? So that's a, a ways off, but obviously. Uh, oh, he's right though. Of, as far as yeah. quarterbacks usually dropping, McCarthy was committed this time. Well, he committed like last May. Right. So right. Um, but that made a big difference too. If you could speak to the quarterback influence, and and I don't know if McCarthy. I don't know how active he is, but he is a five-star recruit, which helps kind of reignite some of the, you know, come be a part of a championship-winning class, things like that. Even even if the results haven't been there yet for Harbaugh, a five-star quarterback does help move the needle. So thoughts on the 2022 quarterback recruiting? So he's he's right in that normally, you know, like you mentioned McCarthy committing last May. I wonder if the I wonder if the virus this this is one of those things that might have an impact on that compared to the years past just because these guys can't visit anywhere right now you know and I think this 
early spring into June, like those or July, you know, barbecue at the big house. Like those are the types of events where there's some of those top 22s probably would have been on campus. So, you know, question is, you know, at like top, top of the list, there's a few guys there. They're, they seem to be going pretty heavily after. I know MJ Morris out of George is a guy, national recruit, uh, potential baseball guy too. You know, we've talked a lot about Michigan kind of having a feather in their cap in that regard as a, as an attractive baseball option as well. Uh, Malik Murphy out of Sarah in Southern California, normally a USC pipeline. They haven't really produced the same level of guys they used to. I mean, that was where Adoree Jackson played uh, guys like that. You know, used to, all those kids used to go to SC. I'm not sure if that's still the case. Michigan's in there in that one as well. Um, you know, Nico Marchial is a name. Or Mar- I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Nico uh, transferred to Arizona. Uh, I think it was Hamilton or Chandler High School or Hamilton High School in Chandler, Arizona, or one of the. It's one of the two. As uh, a lefty, that kind of has been a. It's been a little bit of a mystery. I, I think he. I think it, there were times where it looked like he was going to commit to Michigan. That's one where it's like I. I'm not. I'm just not 100 percent sure. Like if Michigan is still going strong in that one, or if it's more of a peripheral target type deal. Uh, he's a name to watch, though, either way. They are evaluating Bryce at a story yesterday about Gavin Wimsat, who is a kid out of Owensboro, Kentucky. We just bumped him up to, man, what, 30, 34th or 35th in the country uh, overall, uh, number two quarterback in the cycle. And I, Michigan hasn't offered yet. His, you know, He's really highly ranked, but his offer sheet isn't quite reflective of that yet I think it's going to be though I mean that's a kid Gavin Wimsat uh, if you guys like anybody out there likes watching film uh, that's one to turn on I I, I kind of watched his film and wondered why Michigan hadn't offered yet to be honest with you I mean I think we I think our analysts were spot on in bumping that guy way up so those are a few of the names I feel like there's a big one that I'm missing let me check just real real quick so I feel like there's another quarterback I'm missing here that they were well they are kind of recruiting Quinn Ewers who's number one overall in the country. I don't think uh, anything and much is going to really happen there. No, I was right. That's it. So yeah, Morris Murphy, we'll see if they offer Wimsat, uh, Nico, and then, you know, we'll see with Ewers, but I wouldn't expect much there. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, sure. Um, let's let's go to the next question. This one comes from. Well, I just I just left the question page. I think it was from Adam, uh, who asked about Big Ten scheduling rumors. Um, you know, Steve, you and I were talking yesterday because um, there's an expectation that something will come soon. I mean, you know, schools can't really be in the dark. I guess it it may not matter as much for fans to be in the dark since most schools are not allowing general public tickets anyways, but um, any, any thoughts on the schedule? I, I still, 
am under the impression that they'll bump it up to 10 games. I know there's been talks that the TV execs want 12. I think, I think major league baseball this week kind of showed if you schedule really ambitiously, um, you know, that might not be the best move. I know football's a little bit different because they only play once a week, but I still like the 10 games in 14 weeks, big 10 schedule with, with some extra bye weeks built in to potentially do makeup games if you absolutely need to. And then in terms of rivalries playing sooner, I'd be, I, I, I keep hearing from not, not even sources, just like that's just what keeps being reported that, they're going to try to move the divisional games up early, uh, which I looked it up yesterday. Michigan has played Ohio state in November every year since 1993 or 1933, excuse me, 33. And they've played, they've closed the season against Ohio state every year. They did two Hawaii trips in 98 and 86. But other than that, every year since 1941, they've closed the big 10 season against Ohio state. So, um, I could see that being moved. It makes a lot of sense, especially if if there is worry that they may have to eventually shut this down is get some of the big games out of the way early. Sure. It makes makes sense to me. Um, you know, I that'd wonder be bad, that'd be bad news for Michigan, I feel like. I think if you're Michigan right now, you'd want you'd still want Ohio State to be with a new quarterback, right? Offensive lineman. You know, I think that'd be a worst case scenario for Michigan to have to play that game in like September or October. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I know Ohio State. They have the quarterback, which is which is big, and the offensive line, which is big. But they are missing. I mean, they had they have to replace a lot on the defensive side of the ball. Um. You know, in the secondary. So, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I think a game is still better than no game. Oh yeah. And and so, uh, Steve, have you heard anything in terms of of scheduling? I mean, the only thing that's been announced is that it's going to be Big Ten only. And so you know, they, didn't say ten, they didn't say 10 games when that came they, out. I thought that was the, they didn't. Now that's been pretty widely reported. Huh? Okay. Um, no, that's what I was under the impression. That's what it was. Right. So no, I know college football is allowing teams to start August 29th. I, I can't imagine that that's going to be a very common decision. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, Steve. I just feel like that's moving the schedule up early when you missed all, summer of workouts it might be might be common for schools still trying to fill out a 12 game schedule but i don't know any 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 thoughts there no not really i mean as far like as far as what you're hearing and stuff and i haven't really heard anything specifically about you know what's what they're going to do or whatever i think i would argue michigan probably in the same boat as we are i don't really think there's any definitive idea of what plan is at this point right i mean i you know moving it up only makes sense in the idea that it could create a you know you talk about the bye weeks and i look yeah, at more the flexibility week. yeah and i look at the bye weeks as yeah it's like almost like buffer potential buffer zones if something does go awry right and I, so from that standpoint now do i think michigan or the big 10 do i think that they'll be playing at the end of august no i, I don't especially with a you know nine or 10 game schedule. I don't anticipate that that's going to be the case, but you know, I I can see, I can see some logic to it. If the schools that are involved are, are testing low or at at zero level and, and, you know, are following all the protocol and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's um, a question. Do you have an opinion on what 
should be done because obviously there's there's some discussion not not in terms of number of games or anything like that but um you know in terms of in terms of the buffer in terms of starting early versus starting late i mean yeah i guess i i be i the august 29th is interesting because the the NCAA really set up this return to play calendar as with the impression that everyone would get six weeks. And I'm kind of, the more I think about it, I know we discussed this last week. I'm kind of more in the leaning with what the Hintons had to say about let, let the NFL go first. You know, it's amateur athletics, let the professionals do it first and then go from there. Um, I I think that's fair. Yeah. I I mean, I don't, I guess there's so many, it depends caveats to it but um, here's the other thing though so i'm looking at michigan's schedule right now and you know the i know that these aren't going to be the dates you th- well we don't know that for sure i guess but you know their their season opener right now would be the 26th of september against wisconsin right so mm-hmm. they only have one of their bye weeks was in in that first non-conference portion of the schedule i mean if you're going to give teams like three four bye weeks this year they're almost going to have to start like early September, right? I mean, to, to fit that. Otherwise, you're playing games in December. Right. And the Big Ten in a shortened schedule, you know, if you're still going into December, I mean, the Big Ten is not. You don't want to be playing football, and, you know, a week before Christmas. I wouldn't think anyway. Not outdoors. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's the deal. If you want to create more of these buffer zones and, these, and give teams a few, couple more bye weeks, you know, Michigan's already lost one based on the way the schedule is laid out, you know, with no more non-conference. So to give them two or three extra bye weeks is like if the, if the dates stayed the same as they are now, yeah, you're talking Michigan will be playing like on Christmas Day. <laughs> so, right. you, you, like I said, I think to an extent, I'm, I'm all – I agree in letting the NFL go first, but at what – like, you know, what is that – like what – what you what are you going to glean from the NFL? You know, is is it going to be like if if the Buccaneers, you know, twenty guys test positive? Is it like you're going to let the NFL dictate whether or not college football can pull it off? Because like, I feel like the way that this has all been playing out across the country is like each sport has had their own protocol for everything. And like now, granted, again, I know like golf, right? Incredibly low risk, like you can play golf without being around right. other people, that type right. of deal. Um, but UFC has pulled this off about as well as anybody has. And that's similar as far as close contact. I know, I know it's only one-on-one guy, but you got trainers, you got all kinds of other people involved, you know, and during these fight nights and stuff. And I, I know that it's a bubble type situation for them, but you know, it's, do you turn it, do you turn it into a situation where, you know, you look at what happened with the Marlins in baseball where it's like, okay, so one bad decision or bad day with the virus thing and people just want to blow it all up and this, this is – we should end this. You know, so if that happens yeah. in the NFL, yeah. <laughs> is it going to turn into college football? It's like, oh, we shouldn't even do this now. Even if all the programs think, are – you know what I mean? Like, I think the only question is how, um, how, how dangerous is football in terms of spread COVID? I mean, we can – we can hypothesize, you know, with, with the, it being a contact sport, but then of course they can, unlike like a basketball, they can wear at least some face shield 
um, you know, with the face mask. And so I think that might be the hypothesis is, okay, how, how realistic is keeping teams of, I mean, cause it's a hundred plus players. I mean, they, you know, in theory, a football team could have two players test positive and still have a very good positivity rate. So I guess that's maybe a little bit of, of the concern, but right. um, the other thing I was curious about, I personally, I think, you know, I know they play, um, you know, they have these home and away set up every year. Uh, each team has seven of their opponents already picked out and, and the location. And there's two, you know, cycling crossover games. I don't know about you, Steve. I think they should get rid of that all the way. I think they should just, I mean, don't try to hang on to now you got to hang on to the division opponents. So right. I guess you're not completely blowing it up, but like you're talking about whole, scrapping the jug. Well, or like, you know, Wisconsin, September 26, I would just throw that part out. I would draft a new schedule based on right proximity based on, I guess, convenience to the teams. Cause yeah, I mean, it's way more valuable for Michigan to play Northwestern. Now they're not the only school. Northwestern can't play all the Big Ten East schools, but right, um, right. you know, I think it should be way more. You know, they shouldn't try to keep what they have with the nine games and just add one more. I think they should just redo the whole thing. I agree. I I fully agree with you there. I think that would make it makes again if it's clear that by cutting the schedule down to conference only, they are trying to take the, the safest measures. Right, that this is a safety relate. It was a safety related mm-hmm. decision condensing the amount of travel that these programs have to do would be another easy product of, you know, a safety related decision that makes a ton of sense. Right. I mean, you don't want Nebraska having to play Rutgers, which I don't know if they're scheduled to or not this year, but like, if that's one of the games on the schedule, like you want, that's what you're looking to avoid. I would imagine. Right. What's the difference for, you know, Nebraska, that's why not just play non-conference game. Yeah, and I that someone on the West Coast. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, so it, so yeah, I totally agree. I think it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see because you almost would argue Michigan's schedule would probably get easier. Uh, probably wouldn't be playing Minnesota. Probably, probably wouldn't be Northwestern, yeah, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, instead of Wisconsin and Minnesota. I mean, you, <laughs> it's like, hey, you know. Um, but I, but I do think there's a logic to it. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I think keep the division games because most of those are, you know, that's it's geographically, you know, so Michigan probably would still have to travel to Rutgers. Somebody's got to go out there. Right, right. You know, I know Rutgers is kind of, and Maryland to an extent, kind of out there a little bit further in the east, but, you know, th- th- somebody's still got to go there and play. You can't tell them they can't. they play each other eight times? Yeah, man, just Maryland. And, <laughs> yeah, the, tw- the 13th and 14th teams. Um, yeah. yeah, that'd be – I can only imagine how low the ratings would be uh, for a right. series. But, right. but, no, I actually fully agree. I think it's kind of a – you know, and like I said before, this is the best of a bad situation. I think an all-conference season is – I think it's so cool. Like, if it would be – It'd be neat if they could get, you know, I don't anticipate it being the case, and I'm not sure it's the right right thing to do, but, you know, a 12-game all-conference schedule would be just so cool. It'd be so awesome, I think, to do that for one year would be really neat. But um, even 10 games within the conference itself would be really just really kind of cool. So Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see 12 games. I'm not vouching for it just because there's a lot of uncertainty. But, man, that would be a lot of – I mean, might as well make it 13, have everyone play everyone, you know, have a true – Big Ten champion, but obviously those are kind of 
we'll we'll start with getting a schedule in place first. Um, so Tom Dinehart, formerly of Big Ten Network, now I think he covers Purdue these days. Um, he did a he did a report, and apparently one Big Ten coordinator texted him and said, uh, when asked you know when the twenty twenty schedule might come out, he said should be Friday. This was reported yesterday, so um, might might know sooner than later. You know, in regards to the question, uh, final discussion point. So, twenty four seven Sports, our national team did a top fifty player ranking in the country, and I wasn't too surprised Michigan didn't have a player that made the list. I mean, is is there a returning player who is definitely on a lot of All American lists? I I don't think that there is. You know, Nico Collins. Um, you know he. he He's very good. I think every team that faces him is going to be like, watch out for this guy. But he didn't actually finish in the top 100 in receiving yards last year. You know, um, Aiden Hutchinson, Quiddy Pay are making a lot of, you know, most dangerous kind of lists or biggest freak athlete or, or preseason All-Big Ten lists. But they combined for 11 sacks last year. Uh, Jalen Mayfield maybe and Ambry Thomas are two discussions. But no Michigan player made it. Perhaps more surprising is that they the 24-7 sports found – um, 12 Big Ten players who did make it over a Michigan player. So, Steve, your thoughts? I mean, you know, Rashawn Slater, Cole Van Lannon, uh, two offensive tackles who who made the list. Um, your thoughts on, on no Michigan players? And then I just named three of them. Actually, I think I named all five. But any anyone else come to mind as maybe having a pretty good case right now of being a top 50 player nationally? Um, eh, I, I thought... I think Ambry Thomas mm-hmm. probably, and I know that's the one that I think Charles, you know, was the, he was the one player that got mentioned. I, you know, and I think somebody said this on the board, uh, rather be on the top 50 players list at the end of the year. Huh. And I think that Michigan has, I think there are, and I think that's maybe the silver lining in this is that I think there are quite a few candidates for Michigan that I think by the end of the year, you could maybe argue could get, could sneak into that that top 50 because I'd argue if they had done a 50 through 100 I mean you could probably argue there'd be f- what five six potential Michigan players could be on could that be. list right? right and so like with that means that there's a real possibility that with a good year that those guys in that 50 to 100 range could bump up you know I think Aiden Hutchinson probably the other one I think maybe he's not getting enough you know potential like uh hype nationally as far as what he's capable of doing you know because he said like it's I don't think there's an argument that Michigan's bringing back the best one-two defensive end combo in the Big Ten at least yes right and so you got to think one thing we've always seen with Michigan especially under Don Brown uh, that when they've had two solid defensive ends they've always been able to kind of push and pull to get those guys opportunities you know and, and you know we've seen situations where Rashawn Gary getting some extra attention opened things up for Chase Winovich in a lot of one-on-one situations and vice versa. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. So either Quiddy or Aiden Hutchinson, I think, are guys that really could have been in the conversation too. Uh, but Ambry Thomas is another one. You know, they they talk about they they mentioned a lot of guys who are highly ranked recruits. And and again, I would not sleep on Daxon Hill. I know he's he played. Started to play more at the end of the year, but I mean, I just the expectations for him from the staff are just are sky high, and he's almost kind of considered a 
a sure thing as if there ever was one for them at safety this year. And so he's definitely one I would not write off either. So, yeah. Yeah. I think if he'd had maybe a couple more pass breakups or a couple more interceptions last year, and granted they had two starting safeties. So, um, you know, it is what it is in that regard, but yeah, I almost feel like, cause um, you're right. There are some sophomores that they're very, or, or, you know, underclassmen, they're very excited about based on how they finish the season. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think, uh, you know, they even said Journey Brown was a bit of a projection. He ended up with over 900 rushing yards, but they're, they're projecting him as a potential 2,000 yard rusher this year. And so I think if he had finished the season with maybe a little bit more of the eye popping stats versus just a lot of tackles, I think he, I think he could have made that list. I think, I included so I my article I did five players you could make the case for in order. I think it was Thomas, Mayfield, Hutchinson, Pay, and then Collins. Um, you know, and, and I think I think Mayfield is in maybe the same boat, but I, I also included Dax Hill and, and Zach Charbonnet's underclassmen who could crash the party. Because I think both of them you you saw it in glimpses, absolutely. You know, different different plays that they would make. And I, I think Hill you know, I think it could absolutely, I mean, his, his, the fact that his ball hawking abilities were kind of on display last year and in the role that he was in, I think speaks to what he can do in a full-time starting role. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Hutchinson, Collins and, and Hill are probably the three I would, I would put the most poker chips in on, on them being in a top 50 list at the end of the year which is important by the way, you know, the top 50, I, I know it, it might just seem like an arbitrary off season thing, but, but it's, it's significant because it's very hard to be a title contending team without two or three players on this list. I mean, if you think about Michigan's best teams, usually they had a, a, a few guys who were, I mean, think about 2016, they probably had three or four players on this list at the end of the year. And so they need, they need some star power and I think they have a lot of potential stars and it's just it's about seeing how many, and then also what position they're at. If Michigan sends a quarterback into the top 50 players at the end of the year, uh, they're probably playing for a lot by the end of the season. So um, I guess we'll see, but, but yeah, there's certainly, I agree with you. I think if they'd done 50 to a 100, there'd be a lot of Michigan players. And I think a number of those players still have more room to grow and potentially to finish in the top 50. Yeah, I agree. No, that's what my, that was my thing. That was my first reaction when I read the piece was, you know, if they had expanded this a little bit further, that Michigan actually might've ended up being one of the more well-represented programs on the list. Right. Um, which I guess, I don't know. I guess I, I, like I said, I look at that as sort of a silver lining. Yeah. You want guys in on that list. Is it the be all end all? you know, top 50 players list. I no, I don't think so. I mean, our guys not saying our guys don't do an awesome job. I I trust, I would trust their 50 over. I actually like their list a lot. No, I, 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 I did too. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying, is it, you know, that doesn't mean that it doesn't really necessarily mean that those are the top 50 guys in college football. I just say I would, I would trust their judgment though, over almost any other group of analysts that would would put together a list like that. But again, you know, I think, you know, 
split a few hairs, whatever here, there. I think Michigan had a few guys maybe had an argument, but would have a, you know, at least like three or four for sure. If not a couple more in the, in a 50 to 100 type range. Mm -hmm. Which is not the worst position to be in. It's obviously more of the top 50 is better, but to, but one thing that's, I think is significant. We've talked about this before is they seem to have, I'm trying to think other than quarterback, is there a position group on Michigan's roster where they don't have a potential all big 10 NFL draft pick type of player? And they, they seem to have like a veteran and someone who can, who can make that step. Now they have to do it, but they can make that step realistically. I think at every position group, a receiver, tight end, uh, maybe interior offensive line is if you're splitting hairs, but they do have it at tackle. But they've uh, recruited like they will in the interior, though. They don't have guys who'd be draft eligible this year. But I mean, interior line, you could argue is one of the best spots they've recruited the last two cycles, right. three cycles. Defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, you know, inside linebacker, maybe outside linebacker. Just there's some unknown there, but safety, cornerback, I mean, even special teams. Um, it seems like the, we've talked about it before, but the, there's no position group where we're kind of looking at it and saying, I don't know what they're going to have there. I don't know if that's going to work. It seems like they have a few more answers than questions than they often do heading into fall camp. But, but then also the question remains, how far does that get Michigan? And so that, that's where I, th- I think you can make a really strong argument. They need three players in this top 50 to, to come close to any of their goals this year. Sure. That's fair. I mean, they, they need, they need players and you've talked about it. Skill players taking quote unquote the leap. Um, if they have a top 50 player on the offensive line, that probably means their O line was, was solid, you know, and on, on defense, I think they've got some playmakers. Do they have stars? And I think, I think that, um, you know, the difference there could be, Nothing, but it could be the difference in shutting an opponent down or, or making a key tackle in a, an important game or, or you know, stuffing somebody for a loss instead of letting them run wild in the backfield for 10 seconds and, and then you know, get a first down. So um, just, just some things to think about. I, I like the list actually quite a bit. I, I think the assessment, especially at the top of the offensive line, um, was very fair, although... Maybe maybe I have an inflated sense of how good Wyatt Davis is. I feel like he could be a top ten player. But regardless, no clue uh, be sure why to check he came out back. that list. What's that? <laughs> no clue why he came back. Wasn't he? He was eligible. To yeah, go. yeah, that's, yeah. Because didn't he didn't he get named to like the All Big Ten All Decade team or something <laughs> like something like that? Yeah, he's no, got another like, year. Insane to <laughs> to not go. But uh, well, props yeah, to everyone. Everyone's Ohio got. State decisions and reasons but i think he's really good maybe even underrated at 14 but regardless check out the list check out our reaction to the list um you know steve mentioned he's going to drop some team uh inside scoop I'd look i guess for that on be... august 1st okay <laughs> okay august 1st so get ready <laughs> and obviously you can you can subscribe to if you if you don't already you can subscribe to get to get the latest scoop on that and on the recruiting trail and and everything in between. Uh, But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to share it if you like it, rate it if you like it, and subscribe. Uh, Love love to see the continued feedback. Love to to see that many questions. Makes the show 
go a little bit easier. But regardless, hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.